actually sounds way better over VoIP than it would if I had a soundboard like on the computer. I wasn't recording until just now. I I was. Okay. Well, at least one of us was. What the f*** is going on down there? Hey, what, what are you doing over there? What are you doing? I'm... Smoking legal marijuanas? Hey, we can. I got lots of... I forgot that was this week. So, uh, yeah, Grat, Grats Canada. It's uh, it's funny because, like, I was telling a friend of mine, like, is this what it was like when the Prohibition ended? Like, in if not, not in historical information, but in the... If you lived in that week, was it like everyone going, like, Oh, are you going to have some... Uh, some alcohol, sir? You know, and like everyone like gathering around in circles and tables and all like carefully uh, enthusiastically sipping and going like, I didn't think it would taste like that. Huh. Well, if old movies have taught me anything is everyone was getting ripped anyway. Oh, at the uh, at the speakeasy? Yeah. Oh, nuts. Drinking bathtub gin. <laughs> so again, what happens like a century from now when that is how they render the history of of marijuana use where they're like <laughs> just going to smash cut to a bunch of people sitting around in a in a smoky room watching Rick and Morty <laughs> <laughs> This was the average life of the 2010s citizen before the uh, legalization era yeah, in, they in were one all of their productive <laughs> in one of their watch easies <laughs> Uh, Seth, we are going to dip back into the New York Comic Con news. Oh no! Uh, partly to get your opinion, just how many weeks in a row? To two? Okay. Uh, that I doesn't also really wanted sound to too ask unreasonable. You, I, you know, well, I'll, I'll run it by the board. But uh, I know you're a shockwave man. I have been known to appreciate a shockwave or two in my day. So I wanted to, good sir, uh, run by you. Uh, the fresh shockwave they revealed and see how you felt about it from its G1E core to its extremely uh, amped up armored form. Yeah, so I saw pictures of the amped up armored form first and mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell is going on? Why does he have all these extra arms and it looks like extra legs on his shoulders? <laughs> and uh, then, I, then I figured out what was going on. And uh, I think it looks cool. His submarine mode looks cool. Mm-hmm. It looks more like a submarine than past submarine, more like a space submarine than past submarine modes. It's like space submarine Yamato. Yamato's yeah, from, not a submarine. From the anime. The Japan animation? Yeah. You mean Star Blazers? Yeah, from Star Blazers. Yeah, that ship was called the Argo. Not the Yamato. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the dub. <clears throat> oh, I'm, I'm a little when they change the names here. of all the characters to be more Asian. <laughs> yeah, it's like when they change like Lisa Hayes to, to Misa Hayate, you know, like you gotta make it so it flows off the tongue still. Yeah. Um But yeah, uh so you're 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 digging that thing, you're digging did you see the picture where they're like, look, he can do the are all dead cover? Oh no, I didn't see that one. Oh, that's on the I live could imagine thing. what it looks like though. At the live stream they specifically showed him standing in front of the cover in that like oh, hunched walking pose. Cool. Very good. It's, uh, it's pretty I neat. appreciate he's, it. He's behind the Omega Supreme tank in those two still images basically. Ah. 
Yeah, I like uh, I like a lot of what I'm seeing from this line. And this mm-hmm. is it's been a while since I've like legit been excited or even interested in mainline the main line like as a line a as opposed to like <laughs> yeah you know here's one or two figures that seem interesting yeah like the this current line i'm still trying to hunt down that last dinobot and then i don't care anymore um well you, you've also got most of it by that point it's a very short line <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like uh <sighs> Starscream, eh, he's almost really cool again, almost. But uh, I really like Soundwave too. Soundwave is really cool. Ravage and Laserbeak look cool. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's the Decepticons brought it. I'm still thinking. Like now, it's been a week or so for me to digest it. The Decepticons brought it. Uh, they're, they're, they're just showing what Siege is in a lot of different ways. Um, like the Autobot figures showed some of these gimmick ideas. The Decepticons feel like they're living these gimmick ideas. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they're doing reflector of all things. Yeah. And they just, they're, they're just doing it now. They're like, you know what? If you want a camera, buy three of them. <laughs> like just holding eye contact with us as they're saying it. Yeah. And then, so in these official pictures, I'm scrolling up and down, uh, mm. both Megatron and Starscream have like bicep guns. <laughs> oh, that's a, a blast. So the, the little weapon dudes come with like a blast effect and it uses the same size peg and hole as everything else. So you can peg Just it onto their shoot you know, out of their pegs, their biceps. It looks very silly. Uh, I yeah. buy it like, like TJ and Aaron both made the case that on Megatron, that effect part at least looks like it's an impact. This is yeah. the one that comes with the little blue gun dude. So it's like, I, I can see it. On Starscream, it just looks very silly. <laughs> it looks like he's bleeding. Uh, and he's, he's weaponized it. Um, like, obviously, that's something you would also, I think, be able to stick on the end of his null rays and everything. Like, all the guns seem to have a peg as the barrel. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah but it's like they could walk in and be like gun show check out these guns and then they start flexing and then lasers come flying out literally oh they could do that and, and then they start flexing then and optimus prime just... would be like oh megatron you're nuts i'm gonna beat you up and be a hero that's my favorite g1 line how do you remember that oh megatron you're nuts <laughs> you're nuts <laughs> i'm gonna beat you up yeah, they, they got classic they got good. Optimus Prime. We also like I didn't have him in the topic list because it's not that amazing, but like shots <laughs> of the packaging for the Voyagers came out too, what? and they're kind of tweaking they're tweaking the box shape a little bit again, um, giving it kind of a trapezoid side with a huge piece of character art on it. Like it's Ooh, very. I don't know about trapezoids. I mean, it's uh, also the box. I'm. Who cares? I'm, I'm anti-trapezoid. <laughs> Immolate Always the trapezoid. Get by the toy, take him out, immolate the trapezoid. You know, not in your own house unless that's what you want to do. Um Did you guys talk about how they went bananas with the sculpted details? Yeah, there's uh <clears throat> almost there's... to the point of making everything look weird. <laughs> 
Starscream uh, is 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 showing it a lot. Yeah, in, in a lot of those photos. Something that someone pointed out though that I think I think is sensible is the Optimus and Megatron we were seeing. Uh, in a lot of ways, looked like the one, like, or no, not the ones we saw there, but the ones that are also in those um, packaging shots are the final versions done in plastic. Um, and Starscream, for instance, the, in all the photos we're seeing, is the hand painted version. Uh, you know, the the paint on him is catching a lot more light. It's it is possibly making the Greeble be a lot more noticeable and contrasted than it might look when it's just you know plastic. So I'm I'm willing to wait to see you know how they look when they come out, but there there's either way there's a lot of sculpt on there. If you paint your toys, you have lots of inspiration at your fingertips. Yeah, I was gonna say, imagine doing a a paint wash and then a dry brush. Yeah. Holy smokes, Seth! I've actually I've been doing those lately. Well, well, I'm gonna try to no, remember to talk about that later. No, you haven't. I haven't. I've been. I've been washing, and I've been... I did a glaze. A glaze, ooh. Like when I was a, a wee donut? lad... Yeah, but with paint. It's delicious. When, when I was a wee lad, I tried to do glazes following the Citadel heavy metal method from ni- 1997, and I did not understand what they were doing, and I ruined a figure. <laughs> I never did it again. Also, I'm sending you the link just so you can see these oh. packages now that I've talked about them enough. Oh, um, a link. See what I mean... Click the link. Take a look at those pictures. That's some busy-looking boxes. Look at all the stuff. Holy smokes. There's so much sculpted detail on these trapezoids. Yeah. A whole other angle. Uh, I, I, I like the character art getting the focus of that new um, side on the box. Uh, hopefully it means it'll be even easier to see if the toy you're looking for is on the shelf. So you don't have to go like you know yeah. you don't have to go finger flipping through all those boxes. That'd be nice. But yeah, you see what I mean though. Like like I mean they're kind of fuzzy pictures, but like even on these two, the Greebles there, but since it doesn't have like straight up hand paint on on it, it's like it just seems more like part of the toy. I don't know. I, I kind of get the point that was being made. So I guess I'm saying it looks like Megatron's head is set too low on all these display pictures. Yeah. Like he's got no neck. Like he's mega Danny DeVito Tron. I think it sucks in for, for his uh his conversion scheme. Yeah. I'm hoping that these are like prototype <clears throat> figures and not indicative of his no neckitude. I mean if it is. He's like in this kind our... of catty looking picture. Like the yeah. official picture, which I'm assuming are all like cad images um it doesn't look like the head is that recessed into the uh torso yeah i'm I'm, I'm just mostly wondering if it means like you know is it on like a trap door is that potentially a loose trap door and if it is that might have been on a resin so it may not even be a problem yeah i got a problem i got a problem with loose trap doors i'll tell you what yeah but oh, if his boy. neck is short, then we got our first third-party add-on for Siege, all ready to go. Longer neck. Yeah, neck extenders. Third, third-party neck extender for Megatron. Um, Anything else in the New York Comic Con reveals uh, leaping at you? Uh, I think I just really saw Transformer stuff. Um, all right. May as well ask, you got any thoughts on uh, on on Flywheels, Skytread, or, uh, or Brunt, FCA? Oh, um, Brunt is curious. 
Um, I'd have I'd have to see more though. Like Brunt almost looks simple compared to a lot of these other ones though. Is it a smaller size class? He's a deluxe, but he's he's like Cog. He's the one who busts apart into oh, weapons. Oh yeah, yeah, breaks apart. Oh how? So how is Reflector gonna work? Um, so it looks what, like what, three guys. Yeah, they basically said if you want to make the camera, buy three of them. Uh, otherwise, oh, he turns into a that's spaceship. Weird. And then the shutter on his belly can be removed. So if you have three of them, you can have the shutter only on one of them. Um, and then like his basically his two weapons. If you have three copies of his weapons, they turn into the lens and the yeah. tripod. So yeah, they're selling him as a deluxe with the gimmick. If you buy three, that you can do. You can. The thing is, he he actually transforms right into a spaceship. The gimmick of buying three is you fold them into a box and stick three copies of them together side by side. So it's kind of like the camera transformation, which has always been a little BS, <laughs> is now is now just like yeah, it is. It's a it's a build a figure gimmick. The build a figure is himself. Kind of what he originally was. Yeah, no, there I got wasn't the a lot going That's... on with the that original. Yeah. Um. Boy. Boy, oh boy, if there's only, like, one to a case, that's going to be frustrating. That's what Aaron was mentioning, is, like, the only <laughs> thing we want to know now is, like, yeah, is, or even worse, two to a case, right? Yeah. So it's, like, <laughs> you can't just solve this problem. <laughs> and then he's only in wave one. Yeah. Or no, what's worse is wave two, because wave two, at least around here, is always the harder wave to find. Yeah, because wave one is the one they yeah. order the most of. Yeah, so wave one will get restocked a couple of times. And then die because everyone yeah. got it, but they kept restocking it. And then they never order wave two because wave one is still on the shelf. So I'll say it again. It's not the timeliest or most cost effective method, but right now the Takara Tomi releases of all of these are the same toy. So even though they come out a few months later, if you are missing, you know, between one to three reflectors, you can order the Japanese one and be guaranteed you get them. You'll just probably end up paying like an extra five bucks. Uh, and you have to wait until whenever he comes out there. But if you really want the camera mode and you're stuck finding three domestically, it is not hard to get the Japanese versions. It's just probably not what everyone wants to do. Um, so I don't think it'll be impossible. It just might not be doable the way everyone wants to. No. Uh, and Aaron was making the point that it would be really cool if they did like a store exclusive three pack of reflectors. And I was thinking, yeah, do them in toy colors. Um, then you have a reason to like, he's, he's also like, you know, he is a, a self-built exclusive of like, well, we put three of them together. Maybe at like San Diego Comic-Con, they'll be like, Hey, we put three of them together and the, the, the accessories got Chrome on them. Cause collectors love Chrome. Oh boy. Do we No, Now we love battle damage. Oh boy. Battle damage is the new Chrome. No, it's actually the new sticker. Stickers is the new Chrome. There's a, there's a, a pattern. There is no pattern, but every year we get a thing right now <laughs> that everyone can kind of join hands together and say, I don't like that. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the that's the New York Comic Con stuff. And anything else you want to touch on? Everyone wants to talk about Omega Supreme. I just don't think there's much to talk about except that they're doing them. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's much there. Yeah, like, you know, we see the tank, we see he comes with Countdown, that's great for Countdown, you know, Countdown, never thought he'd get a big break, but here you go. 
Um, I thought we had already seen the final countdown we would ever see. Any? So you, you only saw Transformers stuff at, at New York Comic Con? Nothing else really? Um, I was kind of doing junk that weekend, so I missed a lot. Um, I was too. <laughs> Oh, I saw tons of... No, I did see a bunch of Marvel stuff that I'm not going to buy. Because it's like all comic book style stuff, and I'm just not into it right now. Um, But, oh, but they're going to finish Thanos' gang. Oh, yeah, I saw those pictures floating around. And then just like a bunch of comic book style figures that I don't want. So, great. If I were collecting legends, I would be pretty happy they're finishing his gang because I figured they weren't going to. Like I thought, maybe Scythe guy would happen, but uh, even Ma, I, I was not expecting them to actually toy him up. So I was surprised Evan Ma wasn't one of the first ones because he seemed to have the most going on in the movie. Oh, he does. He's like the others also- were just kind of around and they were involved in fights, but he was like being a creep and a weirdo and That's getting the dialogue the the others all are more toyetic because the others all have like a signature weapon like they're the other three are are walking action figures and then you know Eben Maw is like I talk I'm a character <laughs> uh, so yeah congrats to Eben Maw getting his toy day in the sun he's, he's not getting another one that's for sure whoa, whoa. Um, Whoa, throwing shade up in this piece. Hey, if he wants to say something, he can come and talk to me. That sounded like a way more badass thing to say in my head. It wasn't. But spe- speaking of Star Wars figures. Oh, right. Uh, Wet Luke. Oh, yeah. Wet Luke. That, Wet that Lu- is something that happened. Star Wars news of the decade. I guess Wet I did Luke. see other Comic-Con, <laughs> Toy-Con, whatever con stuff. I just didn't remember any of it. Yeah, I Wet forgot Luke. Wet Luke until just... We just said it at the same time. Oh, my God. Uh, I forgot about Wet Luke until just now. And, yeah, Wet... Man, Wet Luke. I got nothing else. Yeah, no. Well, I was going to say, I get this email from Big Bad Toy Store saying, hey, check it out. We got all these new Star Wars figures on pre-order. And uh, Dangar's in there, and Dangar was going to be a Toys R Us exclusive, was he not? I Don't ask me. Wasn't that one of the things people were like, <laughs> no, what about Dangar? Don't close Toys R Us. I think he was, I think he was originally going to be a Toys R Us exclusive. Anyway. I feel like you we talked about him. I'm on the big bad. When we talked about Toys R Us closing, I think you mentioned Dengar. That sounds familiar. Maybe. Because I need um, I need all the bounty hunters. Well, now Where's they can do it with face my skin. Zuckus? Didn't they do Zuckus? Or didn't they show Zuckus? Oh, they, they oh yeah, they showed Zuckus. Right, they Forlom did Forlom. Yeah. yeah. And remember back when people mixed the two of them up all the time? Well, that's because the packaging said different things. Yep. That's hey, that's something I knew about Star Wars toys. And they didn't have names in the movies. Uh, I wish that they had like a weird it would have been funnier if Darth Vader had done maybe when, you know, they did the fancy new versions where they dubbed in like new Darth Vader stuff everywhere. Like you if just they did dubbed a roll in him call. Just, Yeah. Where he's like, I've summoned you here, Zuckus. 
Forlom Dengar. And he, like, pronounces all their names funny. So everyone starts arguing about the canon pronunciation of all their yeah, names. That would Zucus be Zucas and Forlom. Yeah. <laughs> Bosk. <laughs> yeah, it's a syllable because there's two S's. Bosk. Bosk. <laughs> she would be Bosk because there's only one O. Yeah, hey, you know what else they never said the name of in Star Wars? What? Ewoks. What? They never say Ewok in Star Wars. Oh they my never God. say the name Ewok. Sorry, I actually was but having everyone like that, knew what they were. I was like staring <laughs> off in the distance for a second and blinking, trying to remember if they ever said the word Ewok, and I don't think they ever did. Why would they? God, they just yeah, they were just local aliens. Oh, that would have been a funny thing to get Anthony Daniels to dub in somewhere when C-3PO's, like, off-screen but in the room. And he's like, I believe they're called Ewoks! <laughs> or when the one Ewok steals the speeder bike and the the Imperial scout troopers are like, hey, get him! One of them could have been like, oh, one of those friggin' Ewoks! <laughs> hey, get him! What is it? That is an Ewok! <laughs> it's one of those it is, freaking Ewoks! It is local to the area! The moon of Endor that we're right that we're on the forest moon of Endor. <laughs> the forest moon of Endor, populated by these Ewoks. Yeah, we we would have made a better Star Wars movie. It was pretty <laughs> obvious. Yeah. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, uh, we're available. We yo, we are. All right, we'll make you some money. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do any worse. <laughs> Come on, man. Give us a shot. Uh, Oh man, I mean, the, okay. I'm Bring not gonna back blare. the Ewoks. They could do. They could be doing worse. Everyone could be doing a lot worse. <laughs> but uh, the metrics of studios doing good or bad still always makes me mad when we, the people who aren't working on studios, start talking about it. Because I'm like, we're all arguing about whether or not they're making one billion or two billion dollars, and I'm like, none of us are making a billion dollars. When do we get a billion dollars? That's what I want to know. <laughs> anyway. Seth, you want to do some listener questions? Uh, boy, do I. All right, I got one here from Jarl. It's a short and sweet one. Quote, fake chest windows, fake arm wheels, fake hood chests. What are your deal breakers for Transformers? End quote. Uh, none of those are actually deal, deal breakers for me, I should mention. But uh, Seth, off the top of my head, I remember once upon a year, you actually had, it wasn't a deal breaker, but it was a thing that bugged you a lot. And I think it still oh, bugs yeah. you. Oh, yeah. I when complained they, like, about hollow forearms a lot. Hollow forearms, yeah. I wanted a little door to cover them holes. Still ain't happening. No, but I've become desensitized. Yeah. So I just I don't complain anymore. I just internalize it. Is there a straight up deal breaker for you though? Like you see that thing and you're like, I don't want that anymore. I can't think of a specific, like, thing. Like, like as far as, like, fake hoods and fake chest windows go, if it makes both modes look cooler, then yeah, do that. I got no problem with that. Um, yeah, I mean, more of a deal breaker is if I think it looks dumb <laughs> yeah <laughs> or like, if it's too too kiddified like like when they were like oh this is a three-step changer no thanks it's kind of like either i don't like it 
purely subjectively or it is product that is literally not aimed at me. It's kind of like, is that really a deal breaker? Because was there a deal in the first place? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, but I can't think of a, like, oh no, how could they put that on there? Oh, I I hate it when they use Cybertronian letters. I, I got a couple that, like, if there's, like, another version of a toy, I'll go to the other version, or, like, if I've picked it up, it's, like, this is the thing I just don't like about it, but maybe I wanted to suffer through it because I like the transformation. But, like, I got three off the top of my head. Number one is badly done factory-applied stickers because they, oh. they just really bum me out. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, if you let me do it, it would have taken me a while, but I would be happier with it. Yeah. I wouldn't say stickers are a deal-breaker, but I no. would rather there not be any stickers factory applied or otherwise i'm not i'm not huge on to stickers i'm not not huge on like just basic like we mass produce printed these kind of stickers and then when they're factory applied it's just like double sad because i'm like cheap stickers can work if you take a while applying them well but if they're done in the factory that is literally not what's happening uh and then another one is the, the gorilla arms where the elbows either only bend inwards or if their elbows are bending forward the palm is always facing up that still bugs me it doesn't happen nearly as often anymore but i'm i'm super not a fan of that because that specifically bugs me i was going about this on twitter um yeah i was gonna not- say weren't you tweeting <clears throat> something about gorilla arms just recently yeah, there was a tweet going around of, like, sad story in three words, and mine was Gorilla Arm Bend or something like that. Um, but, like, Gorilla Arms, the reason it bothers me is be- it's not even the worst thing in the world compared to some other stuff, but it's because there's so many moving parts in there, yet it's not accomplishing the basic thing I wanted to do. Like, something about that really sets me off. Um, yeah, the bigger one, this actually was a deal-breaker on a Cyberverse toy recently. I-, I-, I wanted to pick up Warrior Cyberverse Shockwave, the little deluxe one. Uh, even though he's 20 bucks here. And then I didn't when I found out you can't even turn his head left or right. Like, he looks like a, po- a you know, decent posable toy, but his head doesn't move. And if you if a, if a toy's neck can't turn left and right, that really nullifies its ability to emote. Like, even an old Star Wars toy can emote more by looking left and right than a toy that can't look left and right, for the most part. Um, obvious exceptions can be picked out, but... That's why I'm actually kind of interested in that $30 version, the the Ultra or whatever, of Shockwave, because he looks like he's just the warrior toy, but he also has a neck joint, uh, and he's a little bit bigger. And I do want to get that Cyberverse Shockwave sometime, because I, I like how he's like he's like G1 Shockwave with a, an extra Shockwave face on his forehead. Uh, something about that I, I kind of am digging. That and, and his main Shockwave face is, like, angry. He's, like, permanently frowning um, due to the second Shockwave face on his forehead. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's lots of deal break deal breakers for people I've always seen. Fake parts are a big one. Um, lack of posability for some other folks. It's just like if it doesn't actually transform, that's a deal breaker, um, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, man, I would love it if they didn't transform. I, mean, I think we've had that conversation, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like there, there's so many of them. I, I almost feel like if I asked the thread, like, tell us your deal breakers. It's kind of like. We, we everyone already says they're deal breakers all the time anyway <laughs> uh in in forum postings whenever i flip around but like if there's any like if you have a weird specifically odd one to you i'd love to know it um if it's one of the catch-all like if it doesn't transform if it's not articulated then it's kind of like share it if you want i'm not telling you not share it but like i mean i could say that too probably if they use pantone color 0833 i'm out
I think there's some people in the third party sub forum who would be like, is someone finally talking about it? <laughs> <laughs> finally talking about how the, the X trans bots breakdown is not properly white. He is off white in the, the wrong direction co- color uh, temperature wise. Damn it. It's fine. It's two. It's two very easily identifiably different colors, and you have a preference. Uh, I'm just making fun of you because we got we got to make fun of Pantones uh, this year, and we haven't yet. So now we've done it. We've checked that box. Tick. All right. We got another listener uh, question I'm, I'm here. I'm trying from, to find uh, what, what. Oh, it's like a. Uh, I just searched for Pantone color zero eight three three, which I believe is the the numbers I just pulled out of my butt. It's a, it's kind of, a, it's kind of a dark mauve. Can you, can you link me that in the, in the, the chat? I want to have a look now. <laughs> kind of like a deep wine. I like it when random numbers resulted. That's a nice color. That's, no, it isn't. I'm, I'm, if anything uses that color, I ain't buying it. It's like a slightly grapier, slightly redder version of the alien purple army painter color I've been using to base coat my Tyranids. Oh, wait a second. Hex color closest to RAL. RAL 4007 looks literally like that army painter color. This is weird. This is really weird. Okay. Well, um, thank you, Seth, for discovering that. Uh, I googled it. Question from XL Hedge. I use uh, Bing. <laughs> oh i'm not i gotta go edit that that uh, we're not talking about bing on this podcast uh excel hedge has a quick follow-up and a question um follow-up from the question about affordable masterpieces it says uh, quote so last time i asked about affordable masterpieces but when i thought about it more what if that's been happening with certain g1 based leader toys but stylized titans return optimus's robot mode is easily comparable to mp10 the siege and titan's return ultra magnus and siege shockwave especially look mp light uh, all Shockwave would need to be like a hand grip on his spaceship if he doesn't have one. Uh, and yeah, that's, I think that was, I feel like that was part of the response that, that we had, but I don't remember anymore. But yeah, I, I, I just feel like when I see things like um, affordable Masterpiece, my brain immediately goes to stuff like the Masterpiece light type stuff we've been having in Generations. And then it just makes me say affordable Masterpiece is Generations and then Masterpiece is less affordable Masterpiece. Um, people made the point, the thread actually had a discussion in it, which I was surprised by, but people did make some good points where it's like affordable masterpiece is also asking for like, uh, the, I guess the aesthetic very specifically of masterpiece right now. Um, which, you know, that is a good point to make. Although I think it was then replied like, yeah, now, now siege is kind of doing that with the robot modes. And it's like, yeah, the, (laughs) The snake just keeps, like, ramming its own butt right into its mouth. It just keeps going in just one tighter and tighter circle. Um, Yeah, well, I know some people have been a little bummed out with uh, modern masterpieces being so, like, smooth and cartoon-styled. And then Siege captures, like, so much of the G1 aesthetic, but, like, with all that greebly sculpt... I, in some ways, that seems like a pretty decent alternative. The, the Siege Optimus. Hating on it. I think the Siege Optimus's robot mode looks at like I said this before. And obviously, it's not perfect, but I'm I'm astonished how much it has in common silhouette wise with that upcoming masterpiece version three Optimus. Uh-huh. And like 
that's almost a, the, also the tight the um the the power of the Prime's Optimus when he combines with his trailer like that thing at a glance you know with with some better colors added onto it with with repro labels or whatnot like it it looks a lot like a masterpiece Optimus robot mode at a glance in my opinion um maybe more so from the front than from the back but you know it yeah the 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 bridge between generations and masterpiece is like it's always going to be a, a pretty long bridge but both both ends of that bridge really kind of smell the same i was trying to make an analogy there and i went from sight to taste to smell uh as quickly as possible and i don't think it came together but let me know in the thread um as for Excel hedge's proper question should transformers experiment no. with characters oh, oh well, holy crap <laughs> transformers shouldn't Whatever the rest of it was. I'll, okay, I'll read the ahead. rest of it for posterity yeah, ahead, for the wiki. Um, should Transformers experiment with characters changing up their gimmick, both in media and toys? Now, I don't mean ditching transforming, but I mean like how Marvel on IDW Fort Max was not a Titan, or Prime Predaking was not a Combiner, or IDW Primus is not literally a transformable Cybertron. Um, what if Trypticon, instead of transforming into a city, was a normal-sized robot with a humanoid robot mode? Devastator as a city bot. Punch Counterpunch actually being two bots. Bruticus being a separate bot from the Combaticons. What gimmick change-ups would you like to see? Um, so I, I have an immediate, very positive response to this, because this is what I have loved about shows like uh, like Animated and Prime as my two easy examples, where it's like, there's a lot that's familiar, but then little things are tweaked. And it's, it's what I would look forward to in a new Transformers cartoon for a while is like, all right, they're going to use the same pool of names probably, but they're going to tweak everything. Like Cybertron uh, is like, oh, Metroplex is not a city, but he's very large. And he's like the, the convoy commander of the planet of very large people. Uh, I, I really like that kind of stuff. Like, I actually really like the idea of Punch and Counterpunch actually being two separate robots, especially if you were to lead into that with the implication they're the same robot. And then, like, that's the reveal. It's like, no, wait, we actually are two different robots. Um, that, that they think they're the same robot. What if they're two different robots that both have the same gimmick of being an Autobot or Decepticon? That's how they get so confused. They just and don't know anymore. They're constantly switching. And like, they don't... don't even know about the other one. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, then, but then that means when the other one is acting and people think that it's all the same guy, and then one of them's like, "Wait a second, I didn't do. Did I do that when I was under in deep cover? I mean, I do put on a, I do put on a persona for. Oh, I don't remember anymore. <laughs> they're they're connected via a a, a um a, a subspace frequency that they're unaware of. So when one is like, "Okay, I'm going to switch and infiltrate the Autobots." The other one thinks that they're having the same idea to switch and go join the Decepticons. Oh, so yeah. that's how they're constantly missing each other. But then the question eventually becomes, right? Like, which one really is thinking of it first? Like, Doesn't at what matter. point? Uh, what? Yeah, what point? Well, is this sometimes like a... it's one and sometimes it's the other. But if they're so tightly linked, right? Like, what if eventually this phenomena, like the idea of it starts manifesting in the space between the two of them? It's not like there's a third person there. It's just like, but now what this if, is just like oh, a... Ooh, wait, what if there was a third that's actually controlling everything from from a secret base? His name is Dr. Archevil. His name is Dr. Counterpunch Punch. Oh no, it's the wrong way around! Uh, 
Seth, I was going to say, what gimmick change-ups would you like to see? Did you just answer that? Uh, no. Okay. My actual trolley answer is, what if they switched it up and made Rumble Red and Frenzy Blue? Oh, you must have been watching the anime. Ver- no, the original American one, the real one, Rumble is red. No, he um, isn't. Everyone knows this. No. Because it alliterates, which means it's a better idea than him being blue. No. Like, he's not he's, he's not called Renzi or, or, or Brumble, you know? He's, he's what if neither... he was, though? What if he was called Brumble? <laughs> if he was Brumble, then he should be blue. But he's not. So he's red, because his name's Rumble. It's simple science, man. Like, I don't mean to wave my degree at you here, but... Mm. Um, yeah, something else they could change up is, like, uh, actually having different leaders for a cycle it's almost like that yeah i mean i agree it's, it's like at this point is that would that be a gimmick right like it, it halfways was for for the rid 2015 cartoon when like bumblebee was the leader even though optimus showed up in episode one <laughs> i just realized optimus never left that show um, <laughs> bumblebee's like i'm the leader and then prime like sticks his head in assistant to the leader <laughs> I'm the leader's assistant. No, assistant. So you're, you're, I'm the assistant leader. No, assistant to the leader. <laughs> it's it's half joke, but also when Prime was alive in the show, at one point he's like, Bumble- like I think I'm paraphrasing pretty directly here. He basically goes like, Bumblebee, you're still the leader. I'll just hang around and uh, operate tell by him. myself and tell you what to do, and yeah. everyone will listen to me instead of you. But you are like Prime just sticks around, a- actively goes like, I- I'm not the leader. But then is making most of the calls anyway. Uh, they had one episode, I think, that tried to deal with that, where, like, old Peter Cullen Optimus Prime was actually actively having trouble not being the leader. Um, which I remember being a pretty good episode. But, yeah, he, <laughs> the part where he just sticks around, it was kind of like, you're you're the leader. <laughs> kind of sounds like how it happens at my work. Like this person is the supervisor, do what they say, but then the manager counteracts everything that they say, so they never actually <laughs> do anything. And just peppers and it in. Just like this is up. your your decision, by the way. It's your decision. It's wrong. Yeah. Don't do that. And then eventually the supervisor just gives up. <laughs> Throws a chair. <laughs> no, it just stops telling anybody what to do because it doesn't matter anyway. No. That's <laughs> less uh sports entertainment than my solution. Um, don't bring that up. I'm trying to think of any other gimmick changeups I want to see. I just want to see all of them, so I, I can't think of a specific one now. We just had all these good ideas. Um, what if they didn't re-release the same jet in three different color schemes? Like again, I don't even know. If, is that a gimmick? I guess yeah. It would be, again. It would be a gimmick if they did it right. I mean, Cyberverse is tr- is trying to a little bit, but. Toy-wise, that's not what's happening. Toy-wise, it is all repaints. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just want—I I think IDW is a great a great place to look for like more subtle gimmick change-ups too, where it took characters, often characters who were mostly defined by their like their one tech spec they ever had, uh, and kind of rolled with it a bit. So like you know, Swerve is a metallurgist. IDW Swerve clearly was taken down a different path than say the G1 version, who had no path, doesn't really exist. And then uh, they they rolled the metallurgist thing back in on him, you know, down the road in, in an entertaining way. Um, 
I don't know if that's really a gimmick change-up, though. That's more expanding on, on a tech spec, but... I don't know, like, all the ones right off the top of my head, everyone's already saying here. Excel Hedge lists a bunch of them of, like, take combiners and make them individuals, or take titans and combiners and switch their roles. Um, I like when the listener question does all the work. Yeah, it's my gimmick <laughs> change. All the listener <laughs> questions send the answers, too. Uh, I like the idea, this is kind of stealing from IDW, but I also kind of like the idea as a twist on how Optimus Prime is always the leader. Like, what if the reveal is that, like, Optimus Prime has actually... Like, he's, he has become a title, but no one is aware of it. Like, it's a secret thing they're doing to maintain the myth of Optimus Prime. But, like, the show is about all the different people who have to take on the role of Optimus Prime. You know, put on the, the chest windows, put, slap on the faceplate so everyone, you know, just assumes you're Optimus. Put on the voice changer. Uh, yeah, like, there was a time where I thought it would have been cool is if the deal with Ultra Magnus was that was a title and that trailer that like turned into the the armor that wrapped around like the white repaint prime mm-hmm. optimist cab like if that was like the inherited thing it's like so, okay congratulations theo you're the new ultra magnus here's your trailer you know how i said i was stealing that optimus idea from idw uh-huh that's because that is that was the reveal on how their version of Ultra Magnus works. Oh, they stole it's, it from me because I thought they stole it, it like from you. Yeah, ten years ago, they actually did run with it. It actually worked too. It was pretty. It was great because it even yeah. accounted for like if there were weird like if other writers had written Ultra Magnus to a degree, you could start going like, well, at what point did he become the one that we know and love right now? And then, like they had when they did the Rom the Space Knight crossover story that takes place like centuries in the past. Like, the Ultra Magnus in that was a hell of a lot different than the Ultra Magnus right now, and it it, it played... In, it also meant that... It meant if they ever have a flashback story, they can freely kill off Ultra Magnus with no consequence. <laughs> I should have written that idea down and mailed it to myself. Yes. And I could sue him. In before the person who always points out that's actually not how the law works. Shut up. Um, I could have sued him for literally tens of dollars. I could have bought a sandwich on my Magnus money. Uh, Got mad Magnus money, yo. Seth, let's do one more listener question. Okay. I got one here from Sideswipe29. He says, Greetings, Vangelis, and whichever broadcast crew is reading this, for a number of years now I've been grappling with the decision of whether or not to sell off all the Transformers that I've owned since I was a child. Yes. I came into this... What? Do it. I'll, I'll, I'll read the rest again for the wiki, posterity. Okay. Uh, I came into this franchise around the time of Armada, and as a result, have a hefty collection of toys from the Unicron trilogy. These toys made up so much of my childhood, and there's a lot of nostalgia contained within them, and yet, as I write this question to you now, they are all sitting in a huge box, neatly tucked away in a closet. It's been years since I touched any of these figures, and as my collection stands right now, none of them are any toys I'd want to put on my shelves and proudly display. So my question to you all is, how do you, or did you go about the process of letting go of all the toys you had as a kid? Were you able to step out of the nostalgia-driven mindset and convince yourself that the money and space you would gain from selling them off would make up for the sense of loss you'd feel by getting rid of them? If you're at a place where you can't part with them yet, how do you present or how do you prevent yourself from feeling like a hoarder who is holding on to toys that might never see the light of day again, but you can still keep them just because they were your child playthings? Thanks for the help. Love what you guys do. And I'm way too young for this sign-off to make sense, but click. Um, P.S. How do you go about selling off toys that have been broken, scuffed, and loved by a child and still try to make money off of them? So this is 
kind of similar to a question we answered with the evens a little bit ago, which was more about storage of toys and maintaining, you know, a, a sane size of collection. But I think it's 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 parallel to that in that a lot of this, I think, does come down to what do you want to do with the volume of your collection? But I also think this is really interesting because we are now in the era where people who are writing podcast listener questions can be like their childhood nostalgia, their en entry into Transformers as a little kid was the Unicron trilogy. Because uh, what I would say is, in that context, me and Seth might have a very different answer contextually than you, because those of us who grew up on G1 and G2 were adults when the Unicron trilogy happened, and thus have way less of that specific nostalgia for it. And then conversely, what we have nostalgia for we have the added component of most of it is considered to be by the regular Joe public. Oh, that's retro valuable old toys. You should never get rid of those. So it's like our, our uh, conjoined generations, as far as Transformers fans go are like when your childhood was G one, it was a lot harder to be convinced you should get rid of it because you were instead being convinced it was gold, you know, like Seth, am I off the mark at all? Like that's how I just always felt growing up. People were like, Oh, don't get rid of that stuff. That's well, when mine, when mine was gotten rid of, it was during during the gap where I wasn't collecting. Like, I wasn't getting toys uh, because I wasn't a kid anymore. And I hadn't started collecting as an adult. And they were just in my parents' garage. And then they were gone. <laughs> they were just dumped. Because they, they were heavily played with and they, they weren't in the greatest shape. And the only one in there that if I could like time machine grab out of the box before it was too late uh, would probably have been the shockwave because I think that was still in pretty good shape as far as like typical waves, shockwaves get broken or damaged. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that shockwave probably still would have, would have been worth a few bucks these days. Um, or the whole sandwich. You could have had a sandwich on that shockwave money. Yeah, but most of the others were probably in fairly rough shape. Um, mm -hmm. So I, it wasn't really an option to save my old G1 toys because they were just gone. Um, yeah. But a big advantage that I think uh, we G1 kids had was then the whole reissue thing came around. Yeah. And then I thought that was fantastic because I was able to get brand new, perfect condition versions of stuff that if I did keep were kind of trashed and missing pieces or, or doors broken off or something. Yeah. Um, for a fraction of the price of trying to hunt down a vintage one that was in decent shape that yeah the, the still wouldn't have been as fresh and new as the reissue like that changed a lot of that what the reissues did was it changed my opinion on g1 toys a ton in that like they stopped being mystical to me because suddenly all these ones that you'd have to try to track down at a bot con for a decent price and hope it's not broken like you said now you can just get new ones and then when encore was happening now you can get new ones where they did tampographic instead of the stickers so they were ostensibly better than the old ones while still being the old ones. And it demystified G1 for me enough that like, like every toy I ever kind of wished I had for the most part, 
barring a few, I was like, well, now I've handled it. And now in the 2000s, I also found some of them kind of boring. Um, cause we, yeah, like, like I forgot about the, how the reissue thing would impact this too. Like if, yeah, if your nostalgia toys, your childhood toys were G1, you've had multiple occurrences to buy a lot of the core ones again over the years. Like right now, uh, the six mini bots, Devastator, Starscream and Hot Rod are all on shelves again for another wave of reissues. Uh, and obviously it doesn't cover like literally everyone's potential childhood toy, but like it is a lot different than if you grew up on the Unicron trilogy. Cause yeah. uh, although, cause the point I was going to make is the Unicron trilogy was at a time of much bigger mass production. So I wondered if, if childhood attachment to those would be colored by the fact that there's also so many more of them uh, on the whole, but like, yeah, or the reissues are not the whole people... line. It... Or good, good. Yeah, and there would have been more people buying that stuff as a collector yeah. and it being kept in better condition. Yeah, like like again, I wonder if that's maybe a an in an on on the mark, like as it came out, Unicron trilogy was also being demystified. Like you could still be childhood nostalgia, but you wouldn't grow up, you know, hitting your teens going like, oh man, those old toys I had as a kid, I wish I could find those again. Cause it's like, guess what? A bunch of adults we're buying and AFA grading all of them as you were growing up. So we yeah. got a whole ton of them here for you. Uh, yeah. Old toys have value because nobody thought they would have value. They were just toys. Um, like when Phantom Menace came out and people were going nuts, running around, buying all the Phantom Menace toys. Oh, right. None of that is ever going to be worth anything because everyone was running around buying the Phantom Menace toys. Remember, like, the launch day for Phantom Menace and all those photos from yeah. the FAO Schwartz in New York? And it was, oh. I remember going with my mom to Kmart and her literally buying one of everything. <laughs> and she's not a collector, but she was just a Star Wars mark. Yeah. I grew up raised by a star wars mark so i'd never stood a chance <laughs> um and then I, like some months later her going like what a i don't want all these what did i buy them for because <laughs> we were all in the hype machine bail organa <laughs> um i was gonna say that Watto. going off of this like we're we're talking about like all the value propositions and also accessibility propositions to your childhood toys what I, when I first read this question, what I was going to say is um, the Unicron trilogy is is if you ask, like we said it already, if you ask older collectors about it, they'll all say, I'll just get rid of it. And I did it, but none of them grew up with it. So what I would say is have a look through that box. If they haven't seen the light of day for years, have a go through that box and just mess with all of them and see if any of them actually do still connect with you. And I would say you probably should try to pass them on if you think they're taking up room because that's a healthy way to think. That's not how I think as much, which is not healthy. So if you're already on that path, you're in a good place. But for your own edification and happiness, I would say go through and just try to figure out which one of these is like the one. Like if those were your childhood toys, have a mess with all of them. And then probably one or two of them will stick out to you. It's like, oh, right. This was the one. This was like the one I carried with me everywhere I went or something. And then put that in a, in a special place of display as this is the start of your Transformers toy history, your personal history, and then pass the rest of them on. And I think that would give you the best of both worlds. It would leave you satisfied. You'd still have a memento. You'd have a thing you could look at that is like, this is how I came into this thing I love. Uh, and you also wouldn't have a big bin of them that you never opened, taking up space. Um, 
I'm bouncing off that. Selling toys that have been broken or scuffed by a child is, is, and you want to make money off them. What I would do, if you have a local toy show, price them to move, like 5, 10, 20 bucks each. Go by size, not by rarity, uh, on, on those that are really scuffed up. Mark them like that, put them all on a table, see what happens. Anything that doesn't sell, you probably should just pass along to charity. Because um, I, I have doubts anyone will will in the long term go chasing after it unless i'm missing certain figures that have become valuable obviously i'm just going off the top of my head but seth you got any other ideas for that kind of stuff uh maybe throw them on ebay uh and be like right up on front street about any damage and then like in the description you could put uh put the keyword like for customizing oh yeah there. parts spare parts yeah uh junkers is a good one and put them up as a lot don't put them up individually put them up as one big lot um highlight the nicest looking parts because that's what people will be bidding on and like price it again price it to move price it low if you have busted scuffed up unicron trilogy toys i just don't see you making actual money off them but i understand it's hard to to get rid of something without getting something in return outside of giving it to charity. And it's not, that's not a thing that you can just tell someone, I'll just give it to charity. Cause I, I hear that all the time, but then I, I look at some of the stuff and I'm like, some of this stuff is nice though. Like it's, it's, it's not busted up. Um, and I, I, I live with a video game mechanic in my head of like, oh, I want to get rid of things and have them turn into, into part of my credits for my credit count. So I can go buy, uh, food and gold. Um, <laughs> well, um, when I was moving, I got, I, I scaled down a bunch and, uh, the two charity ways that I got rid of a lot of this stuff was either Goodwill or, um, my dad's lady friend, her church does like a pretty fancy rummage sale, um, where all the money goes, uh, to homeless folks. And the stuff that was, like, in better shape, like, stuff that I thought could get a dollar, um, I gave that to her. And mm. stuff that I just thought was, like, hey, ain't nobody ever going to want this. That went to Goodwill. Yeah, uh, if if you can, speaking to Sideswipe29, if you can divide stuff up into, like, you know, vaguely saleable, of the really busted up stuff, vaguely saleable and, like, landfill, like, put all the landfill in a bag and just, like, give that to Goodwill. I yeah. think because um, it's better than it just it might still end up in the landfill, but at least you're putting it on one step in between to hopefully not. Um, and yeah, if it does look good, like if you if you know of a charity auction that's going on, if you're if you can make it to TFCon Toronto, you know, that's kind of an ask. But I've I've given stuff to that charity auction before. And like for everything I just said, if you at least like you're not getting the money, but if you know that the stuff you got rid of made a certain amount of money, I think there is satisfaction. It's just knowing that it turned into something. I think yeah. is is a, is a certain kind of satisfaction some people like myself just need. So if you need it, uh, there are I should have said this right away. There are charity options where you're not getting money back, but you're hearing what happened with it, or you can go to the, you can go to the the sale and see it. You can see happy kids getting this stuff, or you can see collectors going to a church charity sale because I guess they're really looking for something specific. Uh, well, she told me all that stuff I gave her sold like gangbusters. Nice. And I don't know how they priced it or whatever, but uh, it, it ended up going somewhere where somebody wanted it. Yeah. Um, and I could have made a couple of bucks 
for myself selling it, but uh, I'm too lazy. Also, <laughs> too lazy. <laughs> if you're only going to make a couple of bucks, is it, that's where you got to ask yourself the question too. If if it's like I could sell this figure for ten dollars and that one for five dollars, it's like if you don't have a toy show table to throw them on to try to do that. Is it actually worth your time and effort to do an online sale for all that? Uh, or do you just need to be rid of it and is giving it to a good cause going to let you have that sense of completion uh, and, and you know, that sense of cleanliness, too, um, without giving yourself the excuse to say, like, oh, well, no, I could make I could make ten dollars on this figure if I dress it up nicely and wipe all the dust off. Um so hopefully amidst all that we gave you some good options. I appreciate the the question. Um I really appreciate anyone whose childhood Transformers were not G1 sending in questions because that's still to me a fresh viewpoint to hear from. And it it's a, it's a valuable viewpoint to hear from, especially now when the 2018 version of this franchise is so dictated by 1984. Um it, it's it's I think really cool to hear from people whose Transformers experience has roots in like the 2000s. Um, that's it's fresh. It's new. It's it's a it's it's a new perspective. It might not be all that different, but is a valuable perspective to hear from. And it's one that's going to it's one where you can't look at someone and go like, right, but we all grew up a sound wave, right? Like, it's not going to be like that. Um, wow. I, I just had like a bizarre epiphany as you were saying that. All right. So it's kind of like you're talking about like the 1984 G1 kids. And the 2000s Unicron Trilogy kids. And then you're skipping the Beast War kids. And I've never felt more connected to Beast Wars before. Because it's like it's like the G1ers are the baby boomers. And the, the Unicron Trilogies are the millennials. And the Beast War kids are the Gen Xers who are never part of the conversation because it's always like, Oh, the millennials are complaining about the boomers ruining everything. And the boomers like your crazy kids and your electric music. And then all the gen Xers are just sitting there. Like, I guess we don't count for anything. You just, I, uh, you just gen X beast wars. I guess I should say I, I went immediately to Unicron trilogy because that's also what the listener question said. No, you're trying to diminish the Beast War fans. Yeah, yeah, basically. I feel like I've heard from Beast Wars fans, though. Like, that doesn't seem like it's actually all that... Half of the 80s people turned into Beast Wars. All, half of the boomers just started saying they were Gen Xers in that conversation. No. <laughs> it's like... The Beast Wars people had their moment. Now they're not relevant to the conversation anymore. All these boomers were, are just like turning their caps backwards and going like, y'all listen to that Nirvana? <laughs> no, the boomers would be saying, did you listen to the Van Halen? <laughs> the Beast War kids are listening to Nirvana. No, what I'm saying is that the boomers and adopted the, Nirvana the Unicron Trilogy own. kids are listening to Justin Bieber. <laughs> Also, if we're going to do that analogy, then the Unicron Trilogy kids are also the Beast Wars kids and also the <laughs> the G1 kids because they occupy a colossal multi-decade block of time that no one ever put a cap on. No, I'm saying they're metaphorically uh, representing these different generational groups. 
It's not literal, it's metaphorical. But then who are the movie people who came up with the movie? Who are Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Hope that answered your question, Sideswipe29. Uh Seth, let's do some what we got this week. Okay. Uh, I got a very unique thing to talk about, but did you get anything on topic this week? I got Bumblebee! Bumblebee! Studio Series Bumblebee? Studio Series Bumblebee! Studio Series Bumblebee! I can't get the parts to line up right in his car mode. There's it's big gaps. Real friggin' butt. I, I've started to figure I'm it out. Throw it against the wall. The There's a lot of stuff inside there that has to tab together that the instructions either don't make a big deal about or straight up don't even mention. Stop me if you heard this one before. Modern Transformer instruction booklets are garbage. I heard that one before. It was a book I wrote. <laughs> Several, in fact. I stole all the ideas from someone else, but, you know, it doesn't matter. This is the author's name on the cover is what matters. Yeah, his instructions suck. Um, and getting him into car mode sucks. Even Even though I've gotten his car mode together better, still doesn't feel good all those stuff on the roof shell should be clicking into those plates on the side and none of it clicks and it doesn't feel good i can't get it close if i push the the roof and the hood down then the doors pop out yep and the the back tail part drops down so if i get the tail part and the doors and the and the fenders lined up, then the roof and the hood pop up. The nightmare. I'm boycotting you know, the Bumblebee movie. You know what could you you're boycotting the toy commercial after you bought the toy? This it's like solo. <laughs> I bought five hundred bumblebees to make a YouTube video of me cutting them up with airplane shears. Uh what was I going to say? Now, I had a point to make and I forgot it. Oh my god. <laughs> YouTube effect just happened. All I'm thinking about is my recommended feed now. <laughs> um, For the rest of your life, that I dummy now. that got punched is going to be in your recommended feed. Uh, the... Um, the the case of Studio Series Volkswagen Bumblebee is an excellent case to be made for an officially made transformation instructional video when there is a toy that requires so many specificities to come together into its alt mode no one knows better how it should work than the people who made it and the, if only there were video based social media avenues through which they could communicate this if only there were uh it's a shame there aren't i guess well as i was wrestling with it and getting really frustrated that the instructions weren't doing me any good and just not being able to get it to get all lined up well it just i started remembering like yeah this is why i don't like the movie toys cuz they they're trying to do too much and uh, i'm probably not going to get any more of them i'm not a movie salesman all i'm going to say I do not think that Bumblebee toy is indicative of the higher qualities found in other members of the Studio Series line. Um, granted, they also all look like movie robots, so there's going to be that. But I would not say that toy is indicative of what I like about Studio Series on the whole. That toy is a solid B tier. Ha! 
I just realized. Uh, uh, I was thinking about how many times you've said indicative in the last few minutes. God, have I? I don't know. My brain's on YouTube mode now. I'm just. <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say some other word like eight times in the same sentence, and that sentence is gonna be like sentenced to some kind of strange sentence of. Uh, of oh, I was going somewhere with that, and I was really proud of it, and I lost track. Anyway. I'm not going to tell you you should buy Studio Series because I don't think you actually like most of the robots they're based on, but that toy ain't Studio Series uh, in a package. That toy is B-tier Studio Series. That toy is that toy is down there with uh, with Berserker. I th- well, not Berserker. What's his name? Crowbar. He's not quite Crowbar bad, but a bad one of those. God, putting that car mode together is unfortunate. Well, as we've been talking about it, I'm holding it in car mode and just trying to to finagle it around and it's getting worse you gotta you gotta put you're on you're on tilt now you gotta put it down you gotta walk away from it for a day worse <laughs> he's just gonna implode i'm gonna make youtube videos about this every so day gonna, until the movie comes out i was gonna say the the other bummer right is you can't even really look up good video coverage for that toy because some I, I, I now I'm vaguely remember because it was ages ago that I even looked, but it's like there's some videos where it just works for for a couple folks, and they're like, "Yeah, it just goes together like this," and then it works. And it's like, again, no matter how good the video is, it's being made by a fan. They have no idea at all what the actual intent of the engineering is. There's just what we can deduce logically and through the instructions. If there is some other hidden trick, like a, a fan making a video doesn't know if they got a copy with better tolerances than everyone else, or vice versa. Uh, a video from an official source that would at least state the design intent could be looked at as, okay, this is the official documentation. If mine doesn't work like this, then something must be wrong with it on a manufacturing level. Uh, I'm starting to talk about this, though, like it's an expensive piece of computer hardware and not a $30 toy. But nonetheless, point stands. Uh, videos from the source, I think, would would help a lot with a toy like Studio Series Bumblebee. Because, um, yeah, when I went on Twitter... And I said, hey, is it hard to put him in, in, into vehicle mode? Boy, did I get a lot of people going, like, the the really loud equivalent of, like, you know, in a, in a comedy movie, if someone opens the door and the entire city answers them at the same time. It's like I opened my door going, like, is this hard? And the entire city went, like, yes! And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Did you mess with his robot mode very much? Or has he just been in, like, transit to vehicle mode this whole time? Uh, I'm, I messed with it. I just got it. So okay. like I messed with it a little and then I wanted to make sure that I got at least one transformation to car mode in before we did this. <laughs> this and sounds like the, the even I, episode when been, I got it. Yeah. And like, I would l- really like to get it into a good car mode because it looks like a good Volkswagen bug. It took me a day and a half and then I got it's it to start just, working. So frustrating. So you're you're on the front third of a so day and a half. So you maybe have another another twenty four hours ahead of you of messing with it, and then okay, here here's my YouTube plan. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna make videos trashing the Bumblebee movie, trashing Paramount, trashing Hasbro, trashing anybody who's looking forward to the movie like every day until the movie comes out, and then I'm gonna go to a, a Transformer convention like a like a tf con or something yeah and then uh and then you punch me in the face 
All right. And then we'll both be famous on the internet. Didn't we kind of halfway do this when we did the wrestling promos at the American TFCon? That we filmed? I forgot we filmed that. Like, with like three cameras, and then we gave all the footage to somebody. Yeah, well, you got to give it to reliable people. <laughs> but yeah, all right, I'm no, down. But this, like this will be, no, like, you got to sucker punch me in a bar. God, I'm going to end up breaking my hand, and I'm going to break my hand in America, and I'm going to have to use foreign health coverage. And it... Well, just don't hit me hard. <laughs> <laughs> do you want it to be real, or do you want it to be The plan fake? is for us to be <laughs> internet famous. For being Hard a-holes. way! Hard way! Hard way makes hard money. I wonder if I'm just assuming people know what I'm talking about. Uh, you if know, you I don't, don't, don't if care. you don't know what I'm talking about, don't look into it because it it's not worth it. Oh no! Now you now people are going to go looking into it. In fact, don't do it. The best part is there's actually, I think, at least two separate things people might find if they look into it, which is great. We're gonna, there's a whole bunch of people going like, I don't... Okay. You mean this or this? And you just say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're both terrible. Don't do it. Um, any, <laughs> anything else on topic on your end? or has you, has On your topic, been... no. All right. Well, I got something on topic, Seth. Oh, I got a bumblebee. I got a booster box of trading cards for a trading <sighs> card game. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you backdoored your weird card games into on-topic talk. That's right, because it is on-topic. You all have to listen to me as I talk to one of the two podcasters who has no interest in the game. <laughs> Uh, you know that's the other video uh, series I'm gonna make. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk so much mess on that card game that'll be banned from all their tournaments. <laughs> they have a photo of you on the organized play folder. I'm talking about the same person. Dude, oh friggin' no! That's a clue. Damn it. <laughs> uh, anyway, hi. I got a booster box. <laughs> <laughs> of the Transformers TCG, I got it from my friendly local out-of-country eBay store in Malaysia because it's not out in Canada yet. Um, and I, I got some good pulls. I pulled three rares, which is above average. It seems the average is one or two rares per booster. Some people pulled three. Um, some people pulled four, apparently. some people, so A couple people pulled zero, and that's unfortunate. Uh, I didn't get either of the super rares, but that's fine because I got some cool... I got the rare Optimus Prime. I got the uh, Insecticon Scrapnel. He's a rare. And I got Shockwave, who I wasn't expecting to get because I already had gotten two rares. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm done for rares. And then uh, I, I pulled a Shockwave. And uh, I looked at him. Shockwave and Rare Optimus, I think, are going to be the deck I want to run and workshop and try to get, get going. Uh, I'm going to name it after one of their stories, 90W. It's a pretty cool deck idea. Shockwave has, has some cool stuff going on. Uh, oh, look at that spam coming in my Discord messages. <laughs> Um, so Shockwave has this power. This is relevant to you, Seth. It's Shockwave. Uh, uh -huh. he, he's he has, got powers. If you, if you transform him into spaceship mode, he makes both players draw two cards. That's fine. Uh, when he's spaceship a mode, it's, it's, Shouldn't it has that be little, submarine. It, this is the war for Cybertron one. So he's a space submarine, uh, <sighs> which they truncated to spaceship. So he shares a tribal tag with cosmos. You know, it's, it's for the game. Um, when he's in robot mode, though, every single card that your opponent has to discard from their hand for any reason, uh, they take one damage for it. Applied to the robot of their choice, but they're taking a damage. 
You can structure a deck to make the opponent discard a lot of cards. Also, if they're playing a Nemesis Prime deck, which is one of the two super rares that is like also the, the source of a lot of the current top tier decks in the handful of tournaments that have been run for the game. Um, Nemesis Prime is all about scrapping all your cards and your hand, trying to get your hand empty to reshuffle your deck as many times as possible. So I feel like Shockwave is is uh, has some power against Nemesis Prime because if they're enacting a scrap through my entire deck plan they have to be self-discarding a lot of stuff and they are taking a damage for all of that you have them in tandem with rare optimus who can fire off extra actions every time he attacks i feel like there's something going on there and i like the idea of it the game feels really cool looking at the non-starter cards and man that starter deck is a flat friggin experience compared to the actual booster box uh booster pack cards uh all the characters have more, not all of them, there's a couple of vanilla characters, but a lot of them have more stuff going on. I didn't realize this is a game that could hit, like, Star Realms levels of of damage comboing, where it's not unrealistic to have a, a deck put together that does, like, like potentially you can, like, one-shot another character on turn one. Because uh, there's a card called Force Field, which is like, if you're going to take over five damage on this character, it is only four. Capped. And I was like, well, that seems like a useless card. When are you ever going to take five damage? And then I, I go looking through, after I do some deck building on, on my own, I go looking through the Facebook group and some videos, and it's like, oh, most of the decks people are making involve giving characters stuff like bold 18, so they're flipping over to do like 8 to 36 damage or whatever. Okay, okay, I get what Force Field is for now. So I'm really looking forward to actually playing this thing uh, at TFCon, and I'm looking forward to it being out in Canada so I can actually order singles, because uh, even though I've got a booster box and I got some really good pulls, there are like a couple uncommons that I really want to have more of uh, that should cost me about a buck, uh, and everyone who's selling them on eBay wants the minimum shipping cost to Canada to be like $18, and I don't want to do that, so... Uh, I have a want list put together. If anyone wants to see it, let me know. If you're coming to TFCon, you can you can root me together some singles. This will sort something out. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 digging it. I'm uh, I'm happy that the Transformers uh, collectible card game does not appear to be Garbo. Um, it's kind of cool that a franchise I like is getting a tabletop game that is in any way good. Uh, that's that's counter to my experience throughout the 2000s with a lot of things I'm into. So uh, I'm I'm very happy about that uh seth you're so, you're so patient thank you for putting up with me talking oh. about my cards yeah i know you were just staring right at the little green circle around my picture on discord the whole time no uh, <laughs> how do we how do we get this is tabletop you basically it's basically dungeons and dragons how do we get you in on this card game how do we infect you how do we get you Get in your blood. It's, it's not, uh, can you put Space Marines in it? Shockwaves in it. Shockwaves in it. You like Shockwave? Yeah. He's a rare card. I, I, I don't like cardboard. We'll get you. He's a, he's big card. He's big cardboard because the character card's big, and they're shiny on one side. Uh, by the way, that Wizards of the Coast foil. Still, even on the giant cards still kind of curl a little bit once they get into the open air um on the bright side these shiny cards you don't have to ever shuffle so i guess that removes the biggest issue with that but still um i'm gonna hopefully i don't want to get like another booster box from out of country i would like my second booster box to be from inside canada so i can support the canadian release of this game that i am enjoying um 
So I've been really resisting trying to get another booster box via going to TFCon. I maybe would like to get some boosters, though, via TFCon. If there's a target anywhere near the TFCon location, we should all do a target run. Get us some cards like a bunch of enthusiasts. Anyway, that's my on-topic what I got this week. Cardboard. Um, Seth, let's go off-topic. Did you do anything off-topic this week? I got a couple Star Wars pieces. No, who? Um, I believe that they are exclusives because they did not have numbers on the side of the box. Uh. And that seems to be the way you tell if a Star Wars black figure is an exclusive or not. Oh, yeah. The exclusives don't have numbers on the side. Yeah, like all the Chewbacca's at EB Games. Yeah, so I got a Chewbacca. Oh. <laughs> um, a, a solo, a Star Wars story. A nerd baka, as I like to call it, oh, because he right. comes with goggles yeah. that look like glasses when you a put them on. A bespectacled, a bespectacled yeah. Wookie. Yeah, it's it's basically the Chewbacca mold with a very slightly different head and a very slightly different bandolier with a man purse attached to it and a pair of glasses and a, like a fat shotgun looking thing not a bowcaster a big shotgun i still haven't seen solo a star wars story I even though it. i bought the blu-ray i haven't oh, watched geez. it yet i haven't gotten around to watching it yet yeah I, I, it was a good time well, i said it before i'll say i'll invite the abuse again i liked it more than rogue one i was pleasantly surprised whoa 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 then i saw at target like another figure that I assume to be an exclusive of some huge guy. Like he's in a larger box and I assume he's from solo. Cause I don't recognize it at all. And, uh, I didn't get it cause it was like, I don't even know what that is. I can't. <laughs> what is this guy? Star Wars. Huge guy does not really. Just some big, weird looking alien guy. <laughs> big, weird looking star Wars. Yeah. Alien doesn't, yeah. Doesn't... He had like robes on. I don't know what was going on. You got a photo but, anywhere? No, you need to know his name. Yeah. I don't uh, even know what his name is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe look for target exclusive. Star yeah, Wars his Black name series? is probably something dumb, like Kloobly Woober or something. Some star Wars name. Clue, Fruit Clue Boss Bash Boshk. Fruit, fruit boss fruit, fruit, bo- fruit boss nebula <laughs> star what target exclusive yeah well that's where i have seen it okay i'm i went star wars target exclusive solo and it's showing me pictures of a blu-ray disc box uh oh i think i found it is oh he's got a friggin name yeah moloch he's evil he's the guy in robes with a stick and his yes. face looks like a nose yeah Okay, I have no idea who this Nose is. Nose face Magoo. I have anyway, zero idea who this is. Well, he's he's a biggin. And it's not the Gamorrean Guard that I can't find. Oh, he's got a helmet, for too. the Gamorrean Guard. He's got a helmet on that big face. Yeah. And I, oh, I really got to hunt down General Veers, which is a uh, Walgreens exclusive. But I really All want right. that General Veers. I got to find him. Uh, then the other Star Wars figure I got was uh, Bespin Escape Princess Leia. Or Leia Organa, however they wrote it on the box. I don't know. Um, so it's just like this white jumpsuit 
that she was mm-hmm. just in for like a very short amount of time in the movie. Not one of the Princess Leia outfits that is probably going to immediately jump to mind when you think of her various outfits. Um, but it's a it's a well done figure. The Carrie Fisher likeness is is pretty good, and uh, it's fine. Nice. The, the likeness is good. The articulation is fine. It's just not that exciting of an outfit. I think I found a picture of it here. I'm looking at this review of Moloch. He has like just big elephant flesh stumps for feet. Uh, uh-huh. And apparently they're explaining who he was in the movie. And I don't remember the scene they're talking about at all. Even apparently he's a slave owner. And I don't remember that in the movie whatsoever. It's probably one of those cases of a character that was on screen for moments. Hang on. What you just said, if I may quote from LaFouche's review. Uh, oh, where is it? Moloch is a character that did not hang around the movie for too long, but his threatening character and grotesque design certainly made him memorable. Not to me, apparently. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, he's from the friggin... Okay. never. I know what it is now. Okay, I get it. This, yeah, wow, I don't remember this guy at all. I remember where he's from. There's All a right. way cooler character to do from that part of the story, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's, it's uh, speed suit Leia. It's Leia in her, in her jogging gear. Yeah, and then we got to get out of here. Um, yeah. Well, it's they're proper. doing uh, they're doing um, Hoth, Leia soon, and Lando Calrissian in disguise. As one of Jabba's goons. Get some more of those face print figures done as well, I guess. Reminds, well, as soon as I see this Londo that's in the works, um, I just, the echoing voice in my mind from the Return of the Jedi toy commercial when I was a wee lad, uh, where they're advertising the, the skiff vehicle and lando in disguise and the little kid goes surprise surprise it's lando in disguise and pulls the helmet off oh he should have said that in the movie (laughs) surprise surprise lando in disguise (laughs) shoots two people and then blind han goes lando lando (laughs) when do we get the blind han figure to go with wet luke (laughs) i don't know not soon enough get some more stupid variants of like carbonite sickness han (laughs) sweaty han (laughs) with sticky hair who blinks a lot uh is neat wow you should have got Moloch. You could have, well, is, there's a whole bunch of them at my local Target. When he gets marked down, this seems like a guy who's... A, I don't know if he's actually up here. This seems like one of those figures for people who like to get a toy of a dude who seems like he kind of sucks. Hey, at uh, the local Target, I can't find what I'm looking for, but I can find Moloch. <laughs> I gotta send you this fo- this photo of... in at, at Foosh, they rolled up his robes to reveal the feet he has underneath. Hot. <laughs> and that's what it is. Just this uh. lump. It's this like yeah, fleshy, yeah. gooey lump underneath his robes, because he's basically like it's a tail, not feet. He's like a worm thing. Oh, I was gonna say, my feet don't look much better. <laughs> you should get that checked, Pedi- pod- pod- podiatrist. Right? That's you need to get that looked at. Um, 
anything else uh star foot wars fetish doctor or off topic on your end that's not what i was I saying think so i'm gonna check my photos and my telephone i'm gonna look at these most recent images go back in roll. time to your childhood and say that in a few years you're going to say i'm gonna look at the photos on my telephone I think yeah. about that sometimes no pretty much the only other really recent images i have are miniatures that i got out of storage i've been enjoying seeing that in our, our little uh little warhammer talkie talk spot yeah i have um my warhammer fantasy chaos stuff is still in storage but Ooh. all my 40k stuff i have dusted photographed and put into plastic containers i keep seeing that so they made a fantasy figure based on those 80s chaos guys called slambo and i keep seeing slambo at one of the local shops he's way too expensive for what he is because he's like a resin figure but no. i i had um at least not not literally the slambo miniature but i had one of the plastic chaos warriors in the slambo pose with the two axes and i'm always like should i get slambo but like i need if i could use him in kill team or something i think i, I would but well, just know. modify it by putting a Chaos Marine backpack on it. But then he's not Slambo anymore. I don't know what to do. Life's complicated. Slambo You just gotta make it sound like fake Latin. Slamboculus. Slamboculus, there you go. <laughs> You're done. I was enjoying when you were putting up photos, uh, seeing all the goblin green edge uh, edges on the bases too. That hit, uh -huh. for, that is like a very specific nostalgia for me because that's the one painting thing I always felt like I could do really well. Just put goblin <laughs> green the on rim the rim of the <laughs> yeah. Edge. Well, specifically putting goblin green on even over black. Goblin green was such a friggin' powerful uh, pigment. Like you could put goblin green on over black, and it would at least like work in two thin coats, like. I really want some goblin green now. Uh, that's an old Citadel paint for those of you who don't know what we're talking about. Um, that's what I'm talking about. I had to break down my paint station because we were moving furniture around. Oh, man. I got all this stuff to paint. I do, too. Including tons of heretofore unpainted Warhammer and Fantasy 40K, whatever flavor you want. I got all these minis that i bought and never painted i'm not necessarily going to paint them now but if i wanted to i can't because i had to take apart my painting station you know i just don't have a painting station i have all my paints in a box and everything else sitting on a desk and then i do it on my computer desk if i'm going to do it <laughs> it's a recipe for disaster but i love it um well i have old gen x eyes so i need to paint with a magnifying glass now oh you have beast wars eyes yeah okay you gotta put it in terms tarantulas of oh what <laughs> he's a guest at tf alec willows will be at tfcon chicago at the end of the month That's wow crazy everything everything is connected uh seth i'm just gonna say all i was gonna say for what i got off topic is i got a painted lictor because i've actually painted a lictor uh, i think you've seen the photos of it i have with its cthulhu mouth i love that mouth on that thing 
Uh, I have never painted a Tyranid before, and I always wanted to when I was a kid, so that was kind of a moment for me. And also, it's the first fully finished Games Workshop model I think I've painted in, like, over a decade. Cool. Uh, so I, I felt very, very pleased with myself. The color scheme ended up... I really didn't mean to fully emulate the late 90s Games Workshop Tyranid color scheme. It just sort of happened, I guess. Because didn't they all used to be, like, blues and purples and, and greens? The Gene Stealers were were like purple and blue. Okay. Um. The then like the Tyrganites, the Termag- little guys with termagants. the little guns, term termagants. They were red. Um. Oh, in that box of stuff that I haven't painted, I do have an assembled but not even primered original Carniflex. Oh, is that the one who's like a big mouth doing a hug? Like you can see, yeah. he looks like he has an almost big human face going like. Screaming face, yeah. Yeah. That's a yeah. freaky model. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he looks. When, when they redesigned it, like when I would see other things get redesigned pretty differently, I'd go like, oh man, they changed it. But when I saw the first redesign of the Carnaflex, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't blame him. He didn't look anything <laughs> like anything else in that model range during second edition. Like he just, he's, he looked like kind of like if you took Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin and turned him into an alien <laughs> is what his face looked like to me, at least. Yeah. Just this weird, big, like knife arm baby. Yeah. Screaming. <laughs> like granted, there's something about that that is sort of appealing, but it, it it just, he, he always looked wrong next to all the other Tyranids. It was just like, who is this thing? Uh, the Lictor, well, I too. Like the, I, I don't know what it's called, but I have the one that just like has a the howitzer coming out of its back. No, oh, the Biovore. Whatever. A friend of mine had one. That's how I remember. That thing used to be solid. That thing shot spores. It had like spores on round bases. Yeah, I got those too. Yeah. Now, the other thing about the Lictor I like is I got when I got into this kill team thing, I was Hannibal like, I Lictor? Should, that's actually what I'm calling one of them on the kill team data card. Yes. <laughs> uh, when I when I got into the kill team thing, I was like, oh, I should look up Lictors that everyone's saying they're good. And then one of the local shops here had two of the fine cast ones. So I was like, I'll just buy them. It turns out that the, the fine cast Lictor is very hard to get. It seems to come back in stock once every month and a half. And they have like eight of them when it does. Um. And it looks so good compared to the old 90s Lictor, uh, who was in this really weird... Like, when I was a kid, I could never tell what the Lictor was from the waist up. Because it's, like, two digitigrade legs, and then just a lump of rib cage with, like... like, It's got two arms, two big scything arms, and then flesh hooks shooting out. But the way they sculpted it, it just looked like a column of bone with meat firing in every direction. (laughs) And then, like, there was not really a head... Again, like the Carnifex, this sounds sort of neat, just not not buggy. <laughs> and then, like, the head was, like, recessed back and had no neck, so it looked like his head yeah. was a mouth opening on the top of his chest. And, like, as a kid, I could never tell what that thing was supposed to be. Like, I was I was like, what is the threat? Or is it? does it just run into me and I die on all the sharp stuff? Uh, it turns out if you don't have the flesh hooks all firing out in unison on the chest, Lictor looks a lot more threatening. <laughs> Um, uh, I think of all those old Tyranid designs, the Tyranid warriors are the stupidest looking. Oh, with the little peanut heads? Yeah. And the bunny and like, teeth? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're so dumb. You know like, whose model range got fully changed for the better? <laughs> the friggin' Tyranids. <laughs> I forgot about those. I was just looking at eBay auctions for Tyranid Warriors, and I saw a bunch of those things. Or have you seen... So those ones, right? That was the, the three-pack primed but unpainted ones, if you want them. <laughs> I, I don't know. They're, they look kind of dopey. <laughs> You should. Did you see the versions from the '80s that those ones were an update of? Uh, I must have, but I can't. Because they they look like it. those, but stumpier. So imagine those, but also stumpy and a lot more blobby looking. Great. Tyranids look really stupid for a while. The only ones that were always cool looking were the Gene Stealers. Yeah, they've been the same and model. For I like... always had, like, I'm sure, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to find out I was wrong, but my assumption was always, like, they came up with the Gene Stealers, and then they came up with the Tyranids later, and then sort of retrofitted the Gene Stealers into them. I have no because, idea. Because, like, there was the whole Gene Stealer cult thing, and then it's like, okay, we got to figure out how to make this work with this overarching concept of what the tyranids are and how they operate yeah like, not, i don't I'm know sure. it just it always felt to me like the the gene sealers were just sort of stuck into the greater tyranid thing i think it's kind of telling that like there is still a gene stealer cultist thing as a completely separate army uh-huh and I never read any of the lore about them, so and I, you know that's my problem. But like, it, it always at a glance looks like the Gene Stealers are guest starring in both armies. Yeah, it's like remember the stars, the villains of Space Hulk. Well, they're they're guest starring in these two armies now. Is how it always looks to me. Yeah, like I think, I think what I read semi recently, fluff wise, is a uh, is like spores will land on a planet and spawn some gene stealers and lictors which will kind of lay low and like creep around and and like not overtly start attacking but like start causing trouble and maybe that's how cults spring up and then eventually the the hive fleet will show up and just ravage planet I really should check that fiction because I, I have been looking at 40k fiction, but I always end up reading about like chaos primarchs. Um, I could send you a link to a YouTube channel where this guy does like these really exhaustive lore videos. Yeah, shoot and me the, a link. The, yeah, like I I had the so I have like a Bluetooth a waterproof Bluetooth speaker in my shower. And I'll, like, put on a video or something that is, like, stuff I don't need to see. Like, someone talking about something for a long time when I take a shower. Mm -hmm. And I had the, the Tyranid one on. And my girlfriend was just kind of listening. And when I turned it off, she's like, those things sound nasty. <laughs> Have you seen I'm the like, card well, effects? <laughs> in 40K, everything's nasty. <laughs> That's the thing Which I'm is, also... Well, because, like, the, the part I was listening to, the guy was describing, like what they do to a planet like how they completely strip it of all organic materials and and just how thorough they just consume a world 
Yeah. And she's like, that That sounds nasty. So Something I picked up reading through wikis that was kind of nice to see is when I was a kid, the one thing that kind of grated on me after a bit was how in 40K, literally everything is terrible. Everyone's awful. Everything's bad. And nobody's good. And anyone who's nice will get killed for it. Uh and as I was reading the, these these wikis that are, that are supplemented by you know new fiction that's been written in the last ten twenty years, it seems like other writers felt that way too and started going like okay so yeah but what if also we have this little thing so there's stuff like in the thousand suns and Araman and everything like there's like little bits of like oh there's a, an interesting morally gray story at work in this completely binary and cartoonishly loud setting that's kind of neat. Um just like, like you know, the, or the the whole thing with Reboot Gilliman coming back and going like, hey, the Imperium is garbage. I guess I better try to run it better. But like uh, this like vague sense of self-awareness of how terrible the fiction setting is. Uh, it, it's, it's been interesting to see. It's, it's, it's actually makes me m- I, I was expecting to have zero interest whatsoever in the lore. Um, but I, I'm enjoying bits of it, you know, cause it, it seems like, like it's not up to the players to make up half of it, to have any fun with it anymore. Like there's, there's actually interesting, morally gray stuff going on and not like, you know, spoiler twist. Everyone's actually bad. Um, <laughs> like, I like the idea of one of the Primarchs waking up and seeing the Imperium and going like, what the hell are you all doing? <laughs> And then, like, goes and talks to the Emperor and then comes out just, like, angry. He's like, well, friggin' Dad is an idiot. I'm running stuff now, though, so... Uh... That's that's a, that's just a mummy on a chair. <laughs> what Why? are people doing? You can't understand what he says. Why do you think he's telling you anything? <laughs> you made a religion around this, dude? He hated those. <laughs> He literally went on a crusade to wipe out all religions. <laughs> and then you made a religion? <laughs> are you guys Are you guys dumb? <laughs> like I never thought I'd think the leader of the Ultramarines was going to be one of my favorite characters to read about, but like I just, <laughs> I love the idea that the Ultramarine leader is also like the single sane person in the entire universe now. Who's the He's the one who shows up going like, "Is you know, it's counterproductive to just keep killing people thinking they're infected with chaos stuff or that they don't think the emperor is God. He's, he's my dad. He's a mummy in a chair. I, <laughs> and then like, there's, I think there's even a bullet point I read where like, yeah, the high Lords of terror weren't really happy about reboot Gilliman questioning everything. And I'm like, yeah, excellent. Good. Have a character who, who can't get killed for questioning everything, question everything, at least do that much for me. I have no idea if the novels or anything actually like played off this, but just the concept made me happy to see. Like not only that, but also he like he was asleep in, in his own magic chair, and the whole time he was asleep, the guy who put him in the chair also was just, like behind a door, was like making like Space Marines version two. <laughs> opened a door. Hey, I improved everything over the last like couple centuries, and none of y'all actually knew about it. But whatever, you you were too busy immolating yourselves. Uh, <laughs> Well, in one of these videos, and I tweeted you uh, the link to the playlist. Um, it's about that they get into like what the Dark Angels were up to during the Horus Heresy because they never made it back to Terra to assist in the defense. Yeah, um, because they the Horus had sent them on a mission like way on the ass other end of the galaxy. And while they were on their way back, the second in command, um, who was 
back on their home planet um turned to chaos so then they kind of had their own little miniature heresy war and that dude um they still have locked up like when i was playing like the the dark angel lore was they had something like in the basement that they had to keep secret because it uh it could be real bad news like if the rest of the empire found out and so i guess at some point they revealed that what they have locked in the basement is that guy and whenever a new um leader comes into power like i forget the the name the title um they the the first thing that happens after like they're swearing in ceremony or whatever it is is they're taken down to the basement to go talk to this guy (laughs) and the the deal is they're supposed to demand that he repent and and all this stuff and then he doesn't because he's waiting for the original primark to come back yeah and then they go okay well now you know what the deal is with that guy he's (laughs) just got him in the basement (laughs) damn i wasn't able to make don't tell anybody (laughs) Yeah, it's like repent. He's like, no, only talk to this guy. It's like, I'll try. Did my part. (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) Damn, this dude lives a long time, doesn't he? (laughs) Yes, we all do. Um, Yeah, there's there's some cool stuff in there. The whole Thousand Suns thing was way more interesting than it was back when I was a kid. Because they they it sounds like in some stories they let they 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 let Araman actually have a little win for a moment where he, he. through like the the what is it the Eldar Death God, he was able to like bring some of the Thousand Suns Marines back to life for a second, and then something else killed them. But it wasn't him, and he's like, "I did it. <laughs> it's now possible." Magnus the Red is that the that's the Primark, yeah, Primark, yeah. It's like his deal where he had never or he hadn't fallen to chaos, but the Emperor thought he did. And then tried to jack him. That was all part of the plan, too. Yeah. And that's what turned him to chaos. Yeah. The Emperor. The thing about the Emperor, too, is like, uh, dude, dude, kind of sucks. Uh, and in the old. Welcome to 40K. (laughs) In the old second edition stuff, from what I remember, they really implied the Emperor didn't suck. It's everyone around him sucked. (laughs) <laughs> and so something else I was liking reading all this is it seems like it's cleared up a little bit more. Like, no, the Emperor probably actually really sucks. And, like, they're, like, like there's some implication. Like, yeah, when when Ultramarine's man went to talk to him, the Emperor talked to Ultramarine's man. Like, oh, cool, the thing I made came back to life. Oh, you didn't do what I wanted you to do. Okay, well, go run things. And, like, he doesn't talk to the Primarchs like they're people and stuff. And I'm like, all right, that's kind of neat. Like, he's, like, he's actually actively a dick. And Ultramarine's man is like, man, my dad sucks. Better go run things, though, because everyone's crazy. I, I like Ultramarine, man. That dude seems on the level. Anyway, 40K podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, that's all I think that we got for Off Topics. That's all that we got for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you later. And uh, until then, be a, I was going to try to... What rhymes with later? Tater. I already, I already thought of Tater. I was going to say Gator. All right. Gator. Uh, see you later. Don't traitor. Don't don't be a traitor, Zeno, heretic. 
Holy Emperor! Spice Marine! You got some badass perpetrators, they're here to stay.